Good morning. Are you glad you're here? Yeah, me too. Are you glad it's raining? Oh, wow. You're glad it's raining. Uh, it seemed like uh, that it had dampened some people's Christmas spirit. So don't let it dampen your spirit. Just be glad it's not miserably cold as well. All right? See, there's always the, the positive side. It does make me realize that, that most Christmas songs were written by northerners, right? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Nobody in Florida ever thinks that. We should write our own song, right? Matt, you should write your own song. I'm dreaming of a sunny Christmas. Sunny Christmas. No, we don't dream of this. A sunny Christmas. And not, you like this, not chestnuts roasting on an open fire, but snowbirds roasting on a sandy beach. <laughs> See, that would be Southerners writing a Christmas song, right? Okay, that was dad humor. Moving on. <clears throat> I am genuinely glad you're here and hope you will join us on Monday night, Tuesday night. Uh, because all the tickets are gone, you may go, oh, can we come? Well, here's your best shot. Our last service on Tuesday night is probably your best shot. Maybe not your favorite shot, but probably your best shot of having a seat. And so we do want to continue. We'll trust the Lord with the seat. And we use that to try to spread us out because otherwise we would have 1,500 people here at 415. So, but we hope you'll come and you will celebrate with us. Whatever the weather, whatever the temperature, you'll celebrate with us the incredible gift that we celebrate in Christmas. Because, listen, so sometimes we can follow the weather and be dreary, and it's not raining in here, so there's no reason, no reason to be dreary in here. We're going to celebrate this morning again as we open our Bibles to Titus chapter 3 and look at the greatness of our God and the gift that he has given to us in our salvation because it is a marvelous gift. We talked about last week the greatness of God because this passage, Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, tell us marvelous things about our great God. It says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, and that is in the, the sending of his son Jesus, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, that was his love for mankind appearing. What did he do? He saved us. Remember those three words. What are they? He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of of eternal life. That passage reveals God is great because he saved us even though we were, do you remember? If you were here last week, even though we were foolish and what else? Disobedient and deceived. Now, if that's too theoretical for you, let me make this very real. Foolish, disobedient, and deceived. Have you ever foolishly disobeyed and then lied about it? Uh-huh, me too. That's us right there. Foolish, disobedient, deceived. We foolishly disobey and then we try and hide it. That's who we were. And enslaved to our desires and envious, malicious. And we were hateful haters. But what did he do? Three words. He saved us. 
Why in the world would he say foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, envious, hateful haters? Why? Because he was loving and kind and merciful and gracious. Can you, you don't have to write all that down, but if you do, as you write it, if you're writing it down, folks, hear what we're saying. Our salvation is about the greatness of our God, not our deservedness, not our worthiness. Our salvation is totally 100% about how great God is. So I can't take credit. I can only say thank you, thank you, thank you, and rejoice in it. Our God is great. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the gift. Uh, maybe your box isn't this big under the Christmas tree, but salvation's a big gift. It's a big box because it's a big gift. And we're representing it as a gift because that's what Scripture calls us. It says that even though I was all these things, God was this, and so by grace we've been saved through faith. We read it earlier. And that not of yourself, it is the, it's the gift of God. So what's inside the package? Maybe you already know what's inside all the packages inside under your tree because you have Amazon Prime and they told you what was being delivered. So that's the bad thing about it, right? Or maybe there's something you don't know what's in it. But we're gonna unwrap the gift of our salvation from this passage, Titus 3, and be amazed and overwhelmed and encouraged by what God has done for us in his love, kindness, mercy, and grace in this gift. It's a gift. What's inside? Well, starting in verse 5, here's what's inside. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness. That's Monday night, Tuesday night. But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration... Just stop right there. The first part, the first thing that's in the gift of our salvation is the gift of washing. And we, we all know what washing is. It's taking something that is dirty and making it clean. We're washing it, we're taking something dirty, and we're washing, scrubbing, cleaning. But this is not just washing. Did you notice what it said in verse 5? It was the washing of regeneration. This is different than what you and I might think. The washing of regeneration. We're used to the word washing, cleaning. We're not used to the word regeneration. In fact, it's only used twice in the New Testament. It means, it's two words in the Greek. The first part meaning again, the second part meaning birth. So regeneration is rebirth. I'm just walking you through this. You need to write all this down. Regeneration is rebirth. Used first in Matthew by Jesus about the rebirth of the physical creation at the second coming of Christ. Not Revelation 21 where we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. But at the second coming of Christ, there will be a rebirth of life as we know it on this planet because something dramatic will happen. 
When Christ returns, he is going to take Satan, the great deceiver, and lock him up for a thousand years. That will change this planet. When the deceiver is under lock and chain, that will be a form of regeneration, a rebirth of the physical creation. That's why references in the Old Testament speak about a lion laying down with a lamb. The only other time it's used, regeneration, in the New Testament is here in our passage, Titus 3, 5. And it's not talking about the physical creation. It's talking about an individual. And it simply means that a believer, one who trusts in Jesus, is reborn. And they are reborn at the moment that they trust in him, at the moment of their conversion. This is why Jesus said... I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So coming to Christ is always about being reborn, a new birth. So it is a washing by regeneration, meaning this, that it is being made clean, but by being made new. See the difference? It's a Cleansing by being made new. That's what the washing of regeneration is. So let me begin to unpack the gift of our salvation here. What's in the box? Well, for most, for a long time, I understood this was what was in my salvation. A bucket for washing. Sponge for the tough stuff in my life, scrubbing, marmor all to make me shiny. That, this, that Jesus, in the gift of my salvation, took the old me, and if you trusted in him, he took the old you, and he washed you clean. Let me tell you, listen, he did wash you but he washed you by regeneration. So uh, the washing of regeneration is not, it's not a car wash. What is it? What's really in here? It's a new car. Is that a difference? If I said to you, hey, I can wash your old car or give you a new one, that's a pretty easy decision, isn't it? And I want us to understand that maybe you were like me. I always thought my salvation was about the old me getting a wash. Jesus scrubbing me clean. But that's not it at all. Actually, the gospel. Now, now, am I saying if you trust in Jesus, you get a brand new car? Now, that's not at all what we're saying. This is reflective of when you trust in Jesus, it's not the old you getting a shower. It's the old you becoming a new you. Jesus makes you new, not just a cleaned up version of the old you. This is why... We say the washing of regeneration is being made clean by 
being made new. Not a cleaned up old you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away, gone. Behold, new things have come. You have new life, not just a cleaned up old life. You have new life offered to you in Christ Jesus. Is that good? Yeah, that, that folks is a great gift. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't. It was given to us because God is loving, kind, merciful, and gracious. That he takes foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, envious, hateful haters and doesn't just give them a bath. He makes us new. So that is the first part of the gift of our salvation. But hey, it's a big box because it's a big gift. He says in verse 5 then, and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So there is a washing of regeneration and a renewing by the Holy Spirit. So the gift of our salvation is washing and a renewing. And that renewing is the renewing of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who does the renewing. Now, let me help you think carefully here. What's the difference between being regenerated and being renewed? Well, regeneration is a point in time. It's like, think about the lizard and he lost his tail. What happened? <laughs> Got a new tail. It had a point in time, regeneration, but renewing is a continual process. And that continual process is this, that we were once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, lust, malicious haters, but God is wisdom, obedience, truth, freedom, good, and love. He is the opposite of everything who we once were. Now watch. And where is he? According to verse 6. And verse 5, verse 6, where is he? He has been poured out on us richly in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us that we might learn to live like the new people we have become. See, when you trust in Christ, you don't immediately go from foolish to wise, immediately from disobedient to obedient, to immediately from deceiving to truth. There is a growing process. Any of you in that growing process? The rest of you perfect? Yeah, folks, if you have trusted in Christ, you're in the growing process. Or if you haven't trusted in Christ, you're still this. But this is the power of the gift of our salvation. It's just not that we were made new and then told, don't mess it up. We were made new and then given the Holy Spirit so that we might be able to live out increasingly the newness that we have been given in him. What a gift, huh? So the, the, the scripture says, Psalm 34, I love this. He says, they looked to him and were radiant. See, the, the psalmist is saying, when you look to the Lord and you are made 
new, what happens? It, it shows up. You, you radiate because you now have the light of God, who is the light of the world, now in you, shining himself through you. Right? Right? Yeah. It's, it's a radiance that's not present in the room right now. Are you taking my hint? Yeah. Some of you go, no, I trust Jesus. Hey, how about tell your face? That would be awesome. Yeah, it, it shows through us that, that we have been saved, that we've been washed by being made new. And have you never met folks who you go, man, when I met them, you could just experience the joy of the Lord, the love of God, the grace of God, the kindness of God. It just radiated on them. Now, is there somebody that's in your mind that's in the Old Testament that clearly they looked to the Lord and they radiated? Is there a person in your mind? What's his name? Okay, some of you have this guy named Moses in your head. If not, if you don't know why, here's why. Because the book of Exodus tells us that when Moses, who was God's appointed leader for his people, the Israelites, when he was leading them out of Egypt... And then down the Sinai Peninsula, on their way to the promised land, they stop at Mount Sinai. The people are camped there. And he walks up onto the mountain, Moses, and he sees God. And then when he walks down, the people are like, Moses, your face. Well, have you ever noticed you can't see your face? So Moses is like, what? They go, your face is like glowing. And he goes, oh, that's because I've been in the presence of God. And so the presence of God is glorious, has translated to my face and you're seeing it. That's awesome. But then later they came and said, Moses, your face is fading. The glory that had been there was fading and he was embarrassed. So the scripture tells us he put a veil in front of his face because he didn't want the people to see the glory of being in the presence of God fading. Are you following me? You turn to the Lord, you are radiant. But for Moses, in the presence of the Lord, radiance. Out of the presence of the Lord, Fading back to the presence of the Lord, radiance out of the presence of the Lord, fading. And he didn't want people to see the fading, just like you don't want people to see the fading. <laughs> so he put a veil. But then Paul writes the Corinthians and he says, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You don't need the veil. Why not? Here's why. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You don't need a veil because the Holy Spirit who brings freedom and joy and life and light is, where do we say? Verse six. 
been poured out richly upon you. So watch, look up here if you would. There isn't in the presence of the Lord, out of the presence of the Lord, fading, back in, radiant, back out, fading. There is no need for a veil because the presence of the Lord is always in you. So Christian Family Chapel, listen to me please. It ought to be true that the longer we walk with Jesus, the more it should show on our face. We should not be the typical stereotype Christian who gets grumpier as we get older. Because that's pretty typical. What happens in the church? People grow old and grumpy. And it's, it ought to be the exact opposite. We ought to be the longer we walk with the Lord, the more it's visible on our face. Instead of this, oh, these young people like just take their music, it's just loud. <laughs> hey, I understand, it's different. I agree. But is it under the Lord? Then I go, oh man, I don't love some of the music. Man, I love the Lord more and more. It shows on my face. Boy, if you had guts, you might say to your spouse over lunch, do I need a veil? <laughs> am I getting, am I becoming the grumpy old person? Or is the radiance of Christ more this year than it was last year? That, that's, that's the gift of our salvation. Why? Because that is the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And now watch the change. But we all with unveiled face, why? Because we've looked to the Lord, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed, being changed into the same image from glory to glory, in other words, more and more. Justice from the Lord, the Spirit. Oh, do you understand the incredible gift that you've been given in your salvation? Not that you would just be made new and try to live that way, but that you would have been made new and been given the Spirit of God who is making those who, of us who are new to live and walk in newness of life. So the renewing of the Holy Spirit is what we've been talking about. God continually making us more like himself. And it's his work. God himself is making us more like himself. We ended the whole Last part of 2019 saying, now may the God of peace himself sanctify us entirely. That What were we saying? Renewing us more and more to be like him. So what's in the box? Well, we think, oh man, Jesus, the light of the world. That's a good light, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I shined it at a guy in first hour's eye and he was not happy with me. So over here, that's a bright light. 
But you know what? It was brighter Thursday night and it was brighter first hour. This is not the gift of our salvation. Why not? Because this is fading. Sometimes we live our Christian life like, okay, God made me clean. God made me new. I'm just going to not try to mess it up too bad till I get to heaven. As if it's a one-shot deal and try and make it last. This is not the gift. The gift of our salvation is dramatically different. What's the difference? It has continual, continual power. Not fading power, but it's a continual power that we have been given by the Holy Spirit. So that by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are not only go from darkness into the light, we are made new, right? Can you see it? We go from darkness to light. But the gift of our salvation is that as we continue to spend time with the Lord, as the Lord is in us and we are growing, what is he doing? He's transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Shining brighter. I don't know how long you've walked with the Lord, but please... Here is what God intends for his life, his life to radiate more and more. I'm really serious, Christian Family Chapel. May we not be the grumpy old people that need a veil because it's getting ugly as we get narrow and judgmental and angry. May he who is kind and loving, merciful and gracious grow you and I so that we may grow ever more kind, loving, merciful and gracious to others. And it's his work. He made us new and he's poured his spirit into us so that he would day by day renew us to make make us more like himself. What a gift. That's the gift of your salvation. See, it's his work. His work. That's why it's part of the gift but it's a big box because it's a big gift. Verse seven, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we are washed by regeneration. We are renewed by the Holy Spirit and we are being justified by grace. be justified 
is to be declared righteous. That's a declaration. You were prior to receiving the gift of salvation by faith, you were declared unrighteous, ungodly, and when you received the gift, when you were made new and the spirit of God was poured into you, you were made righteous, but don't miss it. It's a righteousness by grace, God's grace to us. Uh, let me show that to you. And together, another Old Testament character. Not this time Moses, but a man named Abram. Uh, later, he's changed, his name is changed to Abraham. But we're introduced to him as Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Because in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abram, who is 75 years old at the time. And he says to him, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. And through you, Abram, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And that is not only phenomenal, like mind-blowing, it's just practical good news to 75-year-old Abram because he's 75, his wife is 65, and they are childless. And so if he's going to be a great nation, what does that mean God is going to give him? Sons. Yes, God's going to give him sons. And so he's like, yes, that's awesome. But the rest of chapter 12, no son. Chapter 13, no son. Chapter 14, no son. And Abraham's not getting any younger, and nor is his wife. So they're older, and still no children. To which God shows up in Genesis 15 and says, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham's thinking, Abram's thinking, yeah, that's what you've been saying. But so far, the baby factory hadn't kicked in. Abram says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Since you've given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, Eliezer was born in his house, but born to someone else. It's not even his son. But the Lord said, this man, the one born in your house, but who's not your son, not your heir. But one who will come forth from your own body. Yeah, I know it's aging. He's going to be your heir. Now, if you're over 75, probably 80, 81 right now. What are you thinking? Fat chance. But what it says is, the Lord said, go outside. Now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to count them, which of course you're not. That's how many descendants. More than you can count. And I love this. Verse 6, it says this. Then he believed in the Lord. 
Abram, in spite of his age, in spite of the fact they didn't have children, in spite of the fact that God had promised, but God had not yet delivered yet, what did he do? Say, he, he believed. He believed. And because he believed, it says, and he, God, reckoned it to him, Abram, as righteousness. He declared him, when he believed, righteous. He didn't do anything. He like, okay, I'll be a better husband. I'll be a, I promise I'll be a better man. I know maybe you don't want to give me a child because I'll be a bad dad. I'll be better. He didn't clean up his life. Why was he declared righteous? Why? Because he believed. And so when Paul, the apostle Paul, writes the letter to the Romans, laying out the gospel, the gift of our salvation, he hearkens back to that story and he says, therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness, that's capitals because that's quoting, Genesis 15, 6. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited. What's the it there? Righteousness. To whom righteousness will be credited as those who believe. Uh, not in that I'm going to have as many kids as there are stars, but believe in what? Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Oh, don't you love that? Righteousness is given to those who believe, not to those who demonstrate they're trying to be more righteous. If it was that way, it wouldn't be grace. It's justification declared righteous by grace. It is given based on what you have believed, not on what you've done. And that's the glorious truth of the gospel, that our righteousness granted to us has been given to us because of what we have believed not because of what we said we would do and what we said we would stop doing. The greatest lie that perpetrates our society, it's not a new one, but grab any person on the street who doesn't understand the gift of salvation and ask them, do you think you'll get to heaven? Well, I hope so. Why do you think? Well, I haven't killed anybody. You think I'm lying? Test me. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to be better. I, I know. They find out I'm a pastor. Oh, yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm going back to church. Yep. That won't save you. Why? Because we're not made righteous by what we do. We are made righteous by what we believe. See, do you believe that? I didn't always. And so I was scared out of my mind that when I did wrong things, I was 
getting kicked out of the family of God and I would beg God like mad on Sunday morning. I'm so sorry for what I did last week. I'll do better next week. Because I really thought righteousness was given, salvation was given based on what I did and didn't do, not on what I believed. So what's in the box? Well, a little box. This was given to me by Columbia International University where I serve on the board. But you know when they gave me this box? They gave me this box after I had served on the board for 10 years. It was a gift in recognition for what I had done. That's not my salvation. My salvation is not according to what I have done. My salvation is according to what has been done for me. What is my role? Thank you. Believe. Believe that he who knew no sin became sin for me so that I, believing in him, might become the righteousness of God. So it's, it's what Christ has done for me and believing in it. It's not a box based on what I've done. It's far more like this wedding band. Because you know when Jackie gave this to me? I don't mean the specific date. <laughs> the day I got married. And what had I done? Nothing. See, this isn't an anniversary ring. Because an anniversary ring is a ring for, hey, thanks for being faithful for 30 years. An anniversary ring is a thank you. A wedding band is a, I believe. This, I had never thought about it this way until meditating on Titus 3. That really, this is a reflection of a promise toward a new relationship before I've done anything. I promised I would, but I didn't prove. I just promised. And then the pastor said, what do you have to give to Jackie as a symbol of your promise? The wedding band. So the gift of your salvation is not what you do. It's what has been done and your believing in it. And God keeps his promises. He makes me righteous. And before I ever proved I was worthy of being made righteous. I asked a man one time, are you, are you one with God? He said, I'm getting closer. Well, tell me what you mean. 
Well, I used to cuss a lot. And I, and I'm not cussing as much anymore, Mr. Doug. And, uh, and my girls, God's given me three girls, and, and I'm trying to be a better dad. I'm getting closer. You know what? When you think you're getting closer, you're getting further away, actually. Because the gift of our salvation is not on what we do. And the more we think we're getting there by our doing, we're getting further away from the truth that our righteousness, our salvation is based on what we believe. See, when we get closer is when we go, I'm believing that I can't and I never will, but he has and I'll trust in him. What a gift. That by believing in what he has done, he has made me new and is renewing me in that newness. Ever increasingly radiating Christ. But there's more. It's a big box. It's a big gift. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we're washed by regeneration. We are being renewed by the Holy Spirit. We are justified by grace and we have been made heirs to, did you notice what it said to? In verse seven, made heirs to eternal life. Made heirs to eternal life. An heir is one who is legally entitled, entitled to the property or rank of another. And here's the deal. When I believe, watch, when I believe, I become a child of God, a son. And if a son, an heir. And if my father is eternal, then I get eternal life. Track that. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption. See, understand, what Christ did for you in paying for your penalty was not only to set you free. He set you free and he did what? He adopted you. And when he adopted you, you became his, his child. And when you became his child, you become an heir. The Spirit himself testifying with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. All that he is and all that he has is now rightfully mine. If indeed we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified with him. And here's what glory will look like. And this was, before I read this, I don't know what's happening in your life, but during our worship time, I was out with our elders praying with a gal who's at stage four cancer, asking the Lord to heal her and remembering that he will. If not in this physical body, in this physical life, that he will listen to her inheritance. 
I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for a husband. It's all new for the bride and the husband. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God... The presence of God is where? Among men. And he will dwell where? Among them. And they shall be his people and God himself will be among. Have you ever noticed that three times the picture of our inheritance is that we are with God and God is with us. And he among us as our father will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death, no longer any mourning or crying or pain. All that junk, gone. The full new, fully present. Man, the beauty of the gift is not only that we are made new and being renewed by the Holy Spirit, having been justified, not by what we've done, but what we've believed, is that we have an inheritance because we're children. And that inheritance is the guarantee, every word important, is the guarantee of being where? In heaven. With whom? With God. As Father forever. Folks, how good is that? A guarantee of being in heaven with God as Father forever. Why? Why? Because we're heirs, and we're heirs because we are children, and we came, became children because we believed in Jesus. So what's in the box? Well, for most of my life, I thought this. Meaning what? Jesus was the ultimate fire extinguisher for the soul from hell. I really, I thought being a child of God not so much about heaven, just no hell. Now, is no hell a good thing? Yes, yes. I'm not minimizing, but, but please, your inheritance has so much more than escaping punishment. That's a great gift. I deserved hell. But Jesus took it for me. And when I believe in him, yes, I escape punishment. But far more important than that, when I believe in Jesus, I become part of the family. I get in the family photo. See, these are, these are my six heirs. My three boys, three girls back in 2002. All that I have is 
rightfully theirs. That's why they got in the photo. Seriously. If you're not in the family, you don't get in the photo. With all seriousness, can I ask you, are you in the family photo? And hear me, I'm not asking you, are you cleaning up your language? Are you being more moral? I am asking you what? Do you believe in what Jesus has done for you? That he who knew no sin became sin for you on the cross, that you might become the righteousness made new by the Holy Spirit. But the great thing about being an heir is they're increasing. Six of them in 2002, 16 of them in November when we took this family picture, and 17 as of Friday when my daughter had her second son up in South Carolina. So it's exciting because the family's growing. And God's family is growing. We said, Father, by your grace and power, would at least 110 more people get in the family photo through the ministry of CFC in 2019? And a lot more than 110 got added to the family photo. That's awesome. But what struck me as I was looking at this family photo in November was this. There were more people there than made the photo. There were a couple friends along for the family vacation, but they didn't make the family photo. Do you know why? Because they ain't part of the family yet. And so we've learned through family photos the hard way these, to say, hey, it's family picture time. If you're not part of the family, you can stand right over there. Am I being mean? No, I'm just going, you're not part of the family. You might, you might be next year or two years from now, but you're not yet. So you don't get in the photo. Uh, some people hang around the family but aren't in the family. And some people come to CFC week in and week out, but that doesn't make you part of the family. It makes you hanging out with the family. Genuinely pleading, would you ask, not do you hang out with the family, not do you want to be part of the family, <laughs> but have you believed? and join the family. Let me invite you to bow with me. If you are not certain, you've thought to this point, well, it's based on what I do. And you have now heard, it's not. It's based on what has been done for you. I want to invite you to simply there in the quietness of your seat, here in south, over in north, would you simply say, God, I admit I'm a sinner, a sinner. I deserve hell. But I believe Jesus, your son, has taken my hell for me. 
And I believe that you raised him from the dead. And that you, by your grace, will make me new. If you've believed in Jesus right now this morning, the great promise of Scripture is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, thank you for the incredible gift of our salvation, the hope of eternal life having been made a part of your family. We love you because you first loved us. We pray this with great gratitude in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I wonder if you would stand with me and let's together lift our voices with radiant faces that God has saved undeserving folks like you and I. Who am I if the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's has ransomed me his grace runs deep while I was a slave to sin Jesus died for me yes he died for me who the sun sets free oh it's The psalmist says, a joyful heart makes for a cheerful face. So I, I genuinely pray that as you go to every Christmas party you go to, around family, work, neighbors, that your face would be a reflection of an unbelievable gift that you have received from a loving, merciful, kind, and gracious God. And as we have said for weeks now, if you have folks who have not received the gift, that you invite them Monday night, Tuesday night to hear the gift that we have been offered by a gracious God who is awesome and loves us perfectly. God bless and have a Merry Christmas.